Good morning. Good morning. It's great to see you. Summer weekend, and uh, we know some are away, but uh, some have also come and have joined us here today, and we welcome you. Pastor Dave is on holidays, and uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you this morning, but uh, you get me. And uh, so, oh. boy, that really worked, didn't it? Just um, want to just mention to those of you who are watching online, and, and we are really thankful that you are there. Um, we will be doing communion after the message, and so you may want to prepare yourself for that and get ready so that you can participate in communion with us. <coughs> Pardon me. How would you like to be remembered? How would you like to be remembered after you die? What do you want people to say about you or to think about you? Or how do you want your name to go on from, from now till whenever? We have, um, in our city, we have a number of people who are recognized uh, in, in significant ways. Um, we have George Ferguson Way, which is in uh, memory of one of our long-term mayors. Uh, I don't know for how many years he was a mayor, but for a while there it seemed like forever. And so they named a street after him. That'd kind of be fun, wouldn't it, to have a street, Alfunk Drive? That'd kind of be fun, it has a good ring to it. Um, we could do that. Or um, if you drive down uh, Ware Road, there's a great big yellow craftsman house on the right-hand side. It's called Trithui House. And it is named after the Trithui family, or Joseph Trithui, uh, who used to have a sawmill uh, and a lumber business on Mill Lake. And so he gets a house, but he has a street as well. There's Trithui Drive, and you sometimes wonder where that strange name came from. Well, it came from Joseph Trithui, and that's why we remember him or how we remember him. Do you know where the, the name Abbotsford actually came from? There was a guy by the name of Harry Braithwaite Abbott who was a Canadian Pacific Railway superintendent, and they named Abbotsford after him. And they named it uh, for Mr. Abbott. How do you want to be remembered? How would you like to be remembered by your nickname? And some of you are sort of internally violently shaking your heads because you really don't want to be remembered by your nickname. You really hope that that's something in the past, that that, that will never be remembered uh, about you ever again. We are in this series called Point of View. And uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Dave started by talking about the demon-possessed man who lived among the tombs and how he was radically changed by his encounter with Jesus Christ. Last week, Pastor Nick shared about the rich young ruler and the person we know as the rich young ruler in the Bible who came to Jesus and in fact, when he heard what Jesus had to say, he turned and walked away. He was impacted. His, his point of view was impacted by the fact that he did not want to pursue Jesus the way Jesus was calling him to follow. The person we're talking about today is Thomas. And somebody asked me before the service when they saw that I had a microphone on, they said, oh, are you preaching today? And I said, yes. And they said, what are you talking about? And I said, 
about Thomas, and their first comment back to me was, Doubting Thomas. He is remembered by his nickname, isn't he? So often we, we think of him and uh, Thomas the doubter, Thomas the guy that, that, that wouldn't believe unless he saw evidence right in front of him. How would you like to be remembered by your worst moment rather than your best moment? And, and for many of us, we remember Thomas by his worst moment. We remember him, and we'll read this story in a, in a, a minute, but, but we remember Thomas by the fact that, that he doubted. And it's not just one instance, but, but as you read the story of Thomas, and I went through uh, and, and typed you know, Thomas into my, into my search engine uh, on my computer, and everywhere almost that his name comes up, up until the, this text, it's because he was cynical, he had questions, he doubted, he, he wasn't sure, and he wanted to know more. The truth is, Thomas was a bit of a skeptic. He was a bit of a questioner. He was a bit of a doubter, and he shows up that way in the Bible. Let's read the text for today and then go from there. The background here is that Christ has risen from the dead. Pardon me. Christ has risen from the dead. <clears throat> he, has, um, he has showed himself to a number of people. He has appeared once to the disciples in the upper room, and, uh, but Thomas wasn't there that day. And so let's read the text from there. It should be on your screen. You can check in your Bible or you can check on your devices. Whatever you use is great. John 20, 25 to 28. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. And a week later his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. Then Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, and then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Just from reading these few verses, uh, we can tell that Thomas's point of view is radically changed concerning Jesus by this brief encounter, by this experience in the upper room when Jesus appeared to the disciples. And, and the question I ask myself is, what caused Thomas to go from this questioning, doubting, skeptical person to someone who came to declare his faith so firmly and so loudly that it has been recorded to us in Scripture and, and that, that, that we read about his story from that point on? We really don't read a lot about what Thomas accomplished uh, up until then, other than that he seemed to be the guy in the crowd that always asked the questions. He seemed to always be the guy that, that, that wanted to know more. And so let's take a look here at three things that, that helped Thomas to move in changing or establishing his point of view about Jesus. First of all, he openly expressed his doubts and his questions. It's amazing how much we learn by asking questions. 
It's really the, the scientific method. If you want to know about something about something, you just ask questions about it. You begin to try to discover. You begin, begin to ask. Years ago, I read in, in what's called Reader's Digest, with some of you who are a little older probably know a lot about it. But there used to always be life's like that and points to ponder and all kinds of little sayings and little stories. And I remember this, this one account, and it's funny how stuff sticks in your mind. But I remember this, this one account uh, or this one story where somebody said, whenever you go like on a bus tour, a sightseeing tour or something like that, you should always have one really ignorant person with you who is not afraid to ask questions because it's amazing how much all of you will learn. There's some people that are just good at asking questions. And some of us are too embarrassed to ask questions. We don't want anybody to know that we don't know. We're afraid somebody's going to say, well, look at that guy. He doesn't know anything. Look at that lady. She doesn't know anything. So we keep quiet, but we also stay uninformed. And the thing we see here about Thomas is he was the guy that struggled with stuff, but he was not afraid to ask an honest question. And when I say an honest question, I mean without kind of motives behind it to, to trick Jesus or to, to like the, the Pharisees, they would come to Jesus and they would ask a question in order to trick him, in order to try and, and catch him in something. But Thomas came with honest questions. I think one of the things that helped Thomas was that he was not afraid to ask. In our text in verse 25, says the disciple says we've seen the lord and now thomas one of the 12 was not with them so the others told him we have we have seen the lord and and he said unless i see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side i will not believe he was pretty adamant he needed evidence he needed to know he needed to be told exactly why he should believe he was honest do you ever struggle? Oh, I can't let people see that I struggle. I had a, a teacher in Bible school that said, don't ever let them see you sweat. You know, he, he, basically he was telling you, like, fake it until you know what you're doing. The truth is, that doesn't work very well because people can see through you fairly quickly. But, but, but the reality is that if we will confess the fact that we don't know or admit the fact that we don't know, it's amazing how much we can actually learn. But it's pride that keeps us often from admitting that we don't know. It's pride that often keeps us from, from not saying that I'm struggling with this, I'm having a difficult time. I have questions. I grew up in a Christian home. I'm, all, I, I'm 71 years old. Yeah, that's right. I'm 71 years old. I was a pastor for over 35 years. There are times I still have questions. I don't know why some people are healed and some aren't. And if you have an answer to that, it's probably too simple. Because that's something that only God knows. That's something that only God is able to determine in every situation. I don't know why good things happen to bad people and why bad things happen to good people. I don't know why good people die young and, 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 and bad ones seem to live forever. I don't know the answer to those kind of questions. And I don't want anybody coming to me afterwards and saying, well, it's simple. 
Because it's not. You're obviously not really aware of what's going on if you think it's really simple. We all have questions. We all struggle. We all go through doubts and difficulties. But, but doubts and, and honest questions are simply the mind struggling to come to terms with something that we are not sure of. It's not saying that we don't believe, but rather we're trying to determine whether we can or cannot believe or whether we are going to believe. Some people ask questions because they don't want to believe. Oh, there's just so many questions. I have so many questions about the Bible. Yeah, so what? So do I. I have so many. And you ask him, well, well, name a question. Well, there's just way too many questions to even start. They really don't want to believe. They really aren't wanting to believe. And so they hide behind the smokescreen of there's so many questions. Other people have questions because they want to believe. They really want to believe. They want to know. And they want to understand. Some ask questions to stall, to put off a decision that they know that they should make, but, but they don't want to make that decision. And so they ask questions to keep stalling and prolonging. I hope you're among those people who ask questions in order to believe, who ask questions in order that you can come to an understanding, a better understanding, a greater understanding, who go to this book and ask this book questions. This book is not afraid of your questions. Jesus is not afraid of your questions. Jesus has never once said to anyone, you shouldn't ask that. I remember being told as a kid sometimes, I would ask somebody a question and my parents would say, oh, you shouldn't ask that. You know, well, there's some questions you never ask. You never ask a lady her age. Okay. I remember saying to my dad one day, I saw this old guy walking down the street. And he said to me, how old was he? And in that moment, I knew I was in trouble. Because the, he was a guy about my dad's age, which is about my age now. And I go, oh, he was about at least 10 years older than you. But, 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 you know, there's certain questions you don't ask, okay? But there are questions that you ask in order to know and to believe and to understand. And Jesus never, ever once said to anyone, don't ask that question. Don't ask that question. Jesus was always open. Now, it's interesting. Jesus didn't always give them the answer to their question. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Jesus did not always say, well, here's three points that answer your question. Jesus didn't do that. Sometimes Jesus, they would ask Jesus a question, and it's like he's taught, he answers by saying something that you go, how is that related to the question? Because Jesus understood that their question was really about something far greater, or their need for an answer was far, about something far greater than what they were asking for. So that's the first thing, to ask honest questions. The second thing is that Thomas stayed close. He stayed close. And what I mean by this is, is that Thomas just kept showing up. He just kept showing up. And, and I'll take you through a few verses but in a minute, but, but there are some people who, when they have questions and doubts, they walk away. But I want to encourage you, when you have questions and doubts, stay close. Don't walk away. Stay close. 
They stop attending church. They stop hanging out with their Christian friends. They stop reading their Bible or praying. There was a lady in our church in Victoria who, who we always saw as pretty strong in her faith. She attended church almost every week. She was part of the ladies' prayer group. She was a member of the church, but at, at some point, something bad happened in her family. And, and at first we thought she was, she was doing okay. And then one day, and I remember the day, she walked into my office. She had a piece of paper in her hand. She laid it down on my desk. She says, there's my membership. I'm surrendering my membership. She said, I want you to know that I have prayed and prayed and prayed and asked God to deal with this issue in my family and he either doesn't care about me or wants nothing to do with me. And so I am handing in my membership, I'm turning my back on God, and I'm walking away. I've never experienced that before in my life, where somebody so deliberately and willfully turned their back on God. And over the next months and years, um, I would watch some of her Facebook stuff, and she started posting all kinds of stuff about atheism and how she didn't believe there was a God and all of that kind of stuff, how she had once believed but no longer did. You see, sometimes when hard things hit us, we walk away. And I wonder sometimes, how close was God to answering her prayer? Would her prayer have been answered in a month? Would it have been answered in a year? Would it have been answered in the next five years? Or would God may have maybe have answered her prayer in a totally different way than what she expected and what she prayed for? When Thomas had questions, he stayed close. Matthew 10, he is listed as one of the disciples that Jesus chose, and he spent three years living almost daily in close proximity to Jesus and to the other followers. He saw the miracles. He listened to the teaching. He was close. In John chapter 11, we see that Lazarus has died, and Jesus has been informed, and Jesus waits three days or two days before he goes to see Lazarus. And, and, and it, it's in Bethany. And here we see Thomas saying in verse 16 of John 11, let us also go that we may die with him. Why would Thomas say that? Because the Jews at Bethany had threatened to stone Jesus just a few weeks earlier. And now Jesus is going back there into that danger. And Thomas said, if you're going, we're going, even if it means we're going to die. See, he is a bit pessimistic sometimes, you know. He thought he was walking to his death. But he was walking with Jesus to his death. In John 14, Jesus had just told his disciples that he would be going away or leaving them, but that Jesus would prepare a place for them so that they could one day be with him. And again, it's Thomas who asked the question that everybody else had on their mind. Verse 5, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Everybody wanted to know that. But Thomas was bold enough to ask it. We don't know where you're going. How are we going to know the way? But you see, Thomas kept showing up. In all of these places, it mentions Thomas and that he kept showing up and that he's the one who asked the question. He's the one who expressed himself. He's the one that wanted to know why. Stay close. You never know what can happen. You never know what can happen. I remember, you know, 
Verna would sometimes not feel well on a Sunday and she'd stay home and I'd go to church and after church I'd come home and she goes, well, how was it? I said, oh, hon, we had an amazing service. And I wasn't lying. I'd say, we had an amazing service. And she goes, I always miss the best ones. <laughs> and you know something? You never know what God's going to do on a Sunday when you decide to go to the lake. Did I say that out loud? Did I say that out loud? But you never know what God's going to do if you don't show up. But when you show up, when you stay close, it's amazing what God might do in that moment as you make yourself available, as you stay close, as you allow God to work in your life, as you allow God to be, when you get into an atmosphere of worship, I need to say this. I am so blessed in our church by the young people who serve here. Can we just give them a hand? We have so many young adults in our church who, who serve faithfully. They're in the coffee shop. They're out in the foyer. They're here making announcements. They're on worship team. We are blessed by having them here. What an opportunity to just show up and to see what God will do by as he works through lives to minister to us, as he works through lives of people who serve, as, as, as we encounter things. So often I've found over the years that, that I will show up at, at church on a Sunday and I kind of had to be there for a lot of years. I don't have to be here anymore, you know. I don't work here. I'm just always here. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss anything. What if God does something special today and I missed it? What if God does something today and I missed it? And I go, oh, I wish I'd, you know, like Thomas. He wasn't in the upper room that first time when Jesus appeared. And he comes back and he's, oh, no, I, I don't believe that stuff. 90% of life, somebody has said, is just showing up. And the other 10% is what happens when you show up. And I believe that God can do amazing things if we will just stay close, if we will show up, give God a chance to do whatever it is he wants to do. You may not get what you want, but you may also get something that's way better. And if you walk away, you never know. I've had so many people say to me, you know, I'm just really struggling. I'm going through a hard time. I have questions I don't have answers for. And, and, and so I just, I kind of like just lost touch and I just quit. Can I encourage you to keep showing up? Keep showing up. Keep showing up. May not be today. May not be next week. May not be the week after. But when you give God a chance by showing up, he will do amazing and incredible things. So the third thing then is Thomas made a decision to believe. And I use those words very purposefully. He made a decision to believe. Sometimes we think that, well, you know, I'm so convinced that I believe. And the reality is that either belief or unbelief is a choice and a decision that we make. It's a decision that we make. We can choose not to believe or we can choose to believe. I cannot give you enough evidence to prove that God is real, 
that God can do amazing things. I can't, I can't make it so clear for you that, that you are totally convinced and that all of a sudden you believe. The choice is yours as to whether or not you believe. I can lay it out. You can respond to it however you choose. But Thomas made a decision to believe. John 20, verse 27 and 28. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Listen to Jesus' words. Stop doubting and believe. Stop, make the decision to stop doubting and the decision to start believing. Jesus said it very clearly. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. In that moment, Thomas experienced Jesus. And, and in that moment, Thomas believed. Did Thomas have every question answered? I'm sure he didn't. Did Thomas from then on never have another question in his mind? I'm convinced he didn't because he was human. He's like you and I. We have questions in our minds. We have questions that we, we still want answers to. But in that moment, he said, my Lord and my God. He was convinced or he, he in his mind, he made a decision to believe. It's interesting that we don't read that Thomas touched the nail prints or Thomas touched the wound in the side. Now, maybe it's there and I just didn't see it. But, but, but we don't read that Thomas did that. And, and as a result of that, he made his confession. He just experienced Jesus in that moment. And I want to encourage you that when you experience Jesus, believing will be really easy, even when you don't have your questions answered. Even when you don't have everything uh, confirmed in your mind. There's some of you here today and some watching online who, who keep putting off believing because you are not sure that, or you, you have not had all your questions answered. May I say the words of Jesus to you, stop doubting and believe. You can make that decision today to stop doubting and believe, to say, I put my trust in Jesus Christ. I know he's the savior of the world. I, I want to live my life for him and I want to start believing from this moment on. We often say that if I see, then I'll believe. But the truth is, if you believe, then you will see. It's not if I see, then I'll believe. But if you believe, then you will see. If you enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, he will begin by his spirit to reveal to your spirit the things of God. And this book will no longer be a mystery, but it will be a source of life for you. It will be a source by which you live your life. When you give your life to Christ, he be, that's the starting point. And he will make all the difference in your life. And he will begin to show you things you have never heard of or seen before. And it will open up to you. But if you sit back and go, well, you know, I, I'm not convinced yet. Of course, you're reading somebody else's mail. <laughs> this is God's mail to us. And if you try reading someone else's mail and you don't know the person who wrote it, it won't make sense. But when you know the person who wrote it, when you know the person who wrote it, then it begins to make sense because his heart and your heart are connected 
to each other. My Lord and my God. In John 20, 29, Jesus says to Thomas, and this includes us, Jesus said to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, we didn't physically see Jesus walk this earth like Thomas did for three years. We didn't physically see the miracles he did. We read about them in a book, okay, that God wanted us to know what was going on. But we didn't see it. So we are those who have not seen, yet have believed. And there is a special blessing pronounced on those who have not seen and yet believe. Pastor Nick and the worship team, will you come back, please? It's interesting, Thomas's story doesn't end here. He shows up again at the sea where... The disciples are fishing, and it mentions specifically that Thomas is there. And then it also mentions him uh, on the day of Pentecost, that, that Thomas was in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. But in neither of those situations does it say anything about Thomas asking questions. All of the other places where Thomas is mentioned before this event, Thomas has questions. Thomas has his hand raised. Ask me. You know, I have a question. I have a doubt. I have a concern. But in the other two places where he's mentioned, when, when Jesus shows up at the sea and the disciples have been fishing and, and Jesus tells them to keep fishing, Thomas is mentioned, but it doesn't say anything about his questions. Then on the day of Pentecost in the upper room, Thomas is mentioned that he is there with the other disciples. And there's nothing said about any questions now, is that some proof? No. But let me share this with you, and I checked with a really good source this morning just to make, it sh make sh sure it's true with our friend, Re Pastor Rajesh. It is believed that Thomas, church history and tradition, tells us that Thomas was the first missionary to ever go to India and that he went to India and to this day, there are hundreds of churches in India that connect themselves back to the Apostle Thomas, who is a missionary in India. And in fact, there are a number of churches called St. Thomas Church in India. I think, Pastor Jesse said there's like 100 churches in India that are called St. Thomas Church. This man was so convinced and so convicted about the fact that Jesus was his Lord and his God that it caused him to travel all the way to India and preach the gospel. And not only that, he gave his life as a martyr in that place for preaching the gospel. You've got to be convinced. You've got to, be, you've got to believe. You've got to say, my Lord and my God, and really know deep down in your heart that it's true. His point of view was radically changed by his encounter with Christ when he chose to stop doubting, start believing. And so can yours. Your point of view about Jesus can be radically changed in that moment when you stop doubting and choose to believe. Will you stand with me?